Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Hey, we're going to jump straight into the Word this morning, I'm excited about the message. It's in Mark 1, 19 through 20. Mark 1, 19 through 20, it reads like this. It says, and going on a little farther, he, he being Jesus, saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat. This morning, I'm gonna to talk to you from this topic the challenge of change, the challenge of change. Uh, I was reading a book about a year ago called Necessary Endings by a guy named Dr. Henry Cloud. And in the book, he said this, and it, it just resonated with me. He said, entrances into new seasons must first be preceded by exits out of old ones. In other words, you can't step into a new thing until you first step out of an old one. I remember learning this when I first gave my life to Jesus. I was 25 years old, and for the first time in my life, I was actually pursuing a passionate relationship. This wasn't religion. I wasn't showing up to church just to check a box. It was like I had a passion to know this person named Jesus. But at the same time I was pursuing my relationship with Jesus, I was holding on to a toxic relationship that I knew wasn't healthy. I was coming to church and I joined a small group and I was making progress, but at night I was a person that I was ashamed of. I was, uh, I was saved enough to go to heaven, but I wasn't saved enough to stop going downtown. Come on, talk about it, somebody. Yeah, I was right in the middle of this process called change. The theological word for what I'm trying to describe is called sanctification. It means becoming more and more like Jesus. By the way, all of us are on a lifelong journey of becoming more and more like Jesus. This is why when you come to church, we tell you to get into your word. Because John 1.14 says that Jesus was the word made flesh. So that means the closer I get to this, the closer I get to him. For the first time at 25 years old, I begin to devour the word and I begin to study the life of this person named Jesus. And I noticed something very quickly about Jesus. Every time Jesus showed up on the scene, everything changed. Jesus would walk into a city and there would be a blind man that's been blind his entire life and he would call the blind to see. Jesus would walk into a city and deaf ears would open. The lame would begin to walk. Like, Jesus would cancel funerals. Could you imagine being at a funeral for a loved one and some guy walks in the back and your uncle pops out of the coffin? I mean, no, that's change. Christianity at its core, it's a call to radical change and transformation. Can I propose to you this thought? If Jesus wanted you to stay the way that you were, maybe he would have left you that way. When you say yes to Jesus, I believe everything should begin to change. I recently was at Red's. Yes, I work out. I'm not going for bulk. I'm going for more skinny and slender. 
And I was at Red's and I, I ran into someone that I had not seen in a long time, someone from my past. Now, remember, I, I gave my life to the Lord at 25, so I had a couple of years of just living my own way. And I mean, I hadn't seen this guy since I was 21. And started talking and telling me about his life. I'm telling him about my life. And about five minutes in, he goes, yo, you're, uh, you're different. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you're just not like the Joseph I remember at all. Like something's changed about you. And for the next 45 minutes, I begin to unpack this person that I met that's changed and transformed my life. I begin to tell him how we used to have to use a substance, but now I have a savior. And when I was trying to medicate because I didn't have peace, now I know the Prince of Peace and he lives inside of me. And on a Tuesday afternoon in the middle of Reds, this 30-year-old guy raised his hands and gave his life to Jesus. When you have the hope of the world living inside of you, there should be something tangibly different about you. You should walk different. You should talk different. Matthew 5.13 calls it being the salt of the earth. We live in a dark world full of broken people desperately searching for an answer. We have the answer. His name is Jesus. You can clap right there. It's a great place to clap. Yeah, when you meet Jesus, everything should begin to change. And I believe this is what we see in the story we're reading. It reads like this. It says, and going on a little further, Jesus sees James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them. And they leave their father and everything behind. Now, I want to just bring you in this story for a moment. Jesus is walking on the shore. He looks out in the water and he sees two fishermen. And he calls them. And essentially what the call of follow me is, is leave everything. Leave it behind. And in one moment, these fishermen who are in a boat fixing their nets, doing what they've done every day for years, are called to leave everything they've known. This is a radical call and follow Jesus. Now, I don't know how many of you are like me, but... I like to ask a lot of questions. Like if you call me and tell me we're going to lunch, I need to know where are we going? And you're like me, I need to know what are we eating? I need to know can I drive separate in case there's a weird person there so I can leave? Can I, can I like, like you gotta question people, you know what I'm saying? Like you just, I, I need to know some things if I'm gonna actually do something. As I read this story, I can't help but think these fishermen had to have questions. Where are we going? Uh, who are you? When will we be back? Like, can I call my wife? Can I tell her, this is like a weekend deal? Like, I, like, I need to have some answers. Like, I, I need some clarity. I need to understand your call before I really make the decision to follow it. I'm learning something on this journey of being a Jesus follower. And it's that you don't always have to understand God completely in order to obey his voice quickly. It doesn't matter if you don't see it. What matters is that God said it. And if God said it, he'll be faithful to give you the relationships and the resources and the strength to make it happen. Uh, many of you know my story. I gave my life to Jesus 20, 25 years old and immediately Pastor Obed Martinez became such an intricate part of my story. Uh, I remember it like it was yesterday. Him and I were at a coffee shop here in Lafayette and he said, hey, I, I really want you to pray about something. He said, I, I think you and your wife need to move to California now. 
I, I, I can't pay you anything. That's always fun. Can't pay your wife either, but I'm telling you, like, I, I think this is God. I think you really need to pray about this. I flew to California the next day and spent two weeks there just checking it out, and I was praying, my wife was praying, and it came back, and we decided this, this is God, we need to go. We moved to California, and she gets a job as a bank teller, and I'm just kind of working odd jobs, but I'm just, I'm all in on ministry. I'm, I'm doing junior high ministry, high school, and I'm leading worship. I can sing, I still got it like this much. And I remember three months into doing this church thing, building the church, going all in, we went broke. I mean, we were broke, broke. It all came to a head on a Monday evening at an Albertsons, and I went to go get some peanut butter. And I swiped my card, and when I swiped my card, it went beep, beep. I said, can you please try it again? She said, beep, beep. I said, okay, I went back to the car. I opened up my, my Chase app, and I was negative $150 in my account. A phone bill had come out, and we had $0 in our savings. And I remember being so frustrated, and me and Rochelle, I just, I just begin to vent. I can't believe I'm not getting paid, and this is ridiculous, and I'm like working 50 hours a week, and we're barely making ends meet, and I'm like, I got like, well, we're here, like he should be, and we're just venting. We're just frustrated. In the middle of this moment, I pick up the phone, and I call my dad. I just say, hey, I just, I got to talk to you. He said, what's going on? I said, well, I should be getting paid. I'm over here doing this. I'm working 40 hours a week. And about five minutes into venting, my dad just says, Joseph, just stop talking. I said, okay. He said, let me ask you a question. Are you in California because God has called you to go to California? Or are you in California because Pastor Obed's called you to California? I said, uh, I'm here because God called me. He said, okay, then I'm gonna tell you something that I never want you to ever forget. Don't ever forget that you were there serving God and helping Pastor Obed. You're not there serving Pastor Obed and helping God. The moment you start serving man is the moment that man becomes the source of your provision. The moment you start serving man is the moment that man becomes the source of your peace. He said, I want you to hang up the phone. I want you to apologize to your wife for not leading her well. And I want you to quote Philippians 4.19. Click. Baby, I'm so sorry. I know God's called us to be here. I'm not leading this well. Listen, I know it's tough, but this, this is a God thing. I, I know this is God. Okay, what's Philippians 4.19? Okay. Okay. And my God shall supply every need. Not some needs, not the needs that I think are significant. Every need. The needs of your children, the needs of your family, the health needs. And my God shall supply every need. Okay. Next morning, we woke up, and in our Devo time, I grabbed her hand, and we started declaring, and my God, God, we know that you are the God of more than, we know that you will supply every need. We came here because of you. This is a you thing. God, we know you're going to supply. One day, it goes by nothing. Next day, wake up. Okay, my God will supply every need. We're praying. God, we're believing. We're not going to go weary and well-doing. We know this is where you called us. Nothing. Okay, now like three other bills have come out. Now I'm like, I'm practically bankrupt. <laughs> Day three, I get a phone call from a 337 number. It's a woman that goes to this church. She said, hey, I, I, I hate to even make this phone call, I, but my oldest son lives in LA two hours away from you and he's not doing good at all. You're the only person that I know could you go like maybe pick him up and he could live with you and your wife and in return, I'll pay all of your bills? I said, send the address. 
says, send the address. <laughs> True story. <laughs> okay. Why do I tell you that story? Because when you will be obedient to step out of the boat, then you will meet the God that supplies every need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. This morning, I want to give you two challenges and change. These are two challenges you're going to face whenever you answer the call, whenever you get out of the boat, whenever you say, yeah, I'll do it. I'll be Paul and Des. I'll pack up the family. I'll go. Whenever you're ready to be radically obedient to the voice of God, these are two challenges that you're going to face whenever you're dealing with change. The first one is you got to let go. Come on, say let go. Jesus calls out to these fishermen. He says, leave your father and put down your nets. What was Jesus telling these fishermen? I believe what Jesus was telling these fishermen is until you let go of what is in your hands, I can't ever give you what's in mine. This morning I have a question for you. What do you need to let go of? I think for some of us it's unforgiveness. Oftentimes as a pastor I sit in counseling sessions and 75% of them are a result of unforgiveness. It usually starts off like, Pastor, you don't know what she's done to me. You don't know what my dad did to me or didn't do. You, you don't know what I've been through. And oftentimes my response is, you're right. <laughs> I don't. But here's what I know in my own life. Every time that I feel justified holding on to unforgiveness, it's always a sign that I've forgotten how much I've needed forgiveness myself. That's why Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave who? You. You holding on to unforgiveness this morning. Can I tell you it's time to let go? Because the lie of the enemy is I'm holding on to this thing and I'm going to show them because, guys, I'm going to get, no, 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 no. The person that's actually sinking when you hold on to unforgiveness is you. Some of you have been in a cycle for years and it's because you've been unable to move forward because there's a weight called unforgiveness chained to you. I love what C.S. Lewis says on this topic. He says, getting over a painful experience is much like crossing monkey bars. You have to let go at some point in order to move forward. Are you stuck this morning? Can I encourage you that it might be time to let go of some things? Maybe for some of you it's not unforgiveness. Maybe for some of you, it's an unhealthy relationship. I uh, had a counseling meeting with a, a young adult last week, and she began to weep. I said, well, what's going on? She said, I, I'm, I'm compromising in areas of a relationship that I, I promised myself I would never. I'm doing things that I promised myself I would never do. I don't even recognize myself anymore. After talking about 30, 45 minutes, I said, okay, well, you need to break off the relationship. She said, I'm not breaking off the I can't break off the relationship. It's not an option. I said, why? She said, well, he, I know this sounds crazy, but he, he really does complete me. Let me remind you this morning. A relationship was never meant to complete you. Relationships were meant to complement you. If you were not already complete with your relationship with Jesus, no one's going to do it. Some of y'all just need to like date yourself for a little while. Just hopping from relationship to relationship to relationship, looking for something in a person that you can only find in your relationship with Jesus. And until you become a whole and healthy as yourself, you're going to be miserable as a helpmate. 
Just a hellmate. For some of y'all, it's an unhealthy relationship. Maybe it's not a unforgiveness issue. Maybe it's not an unhealthy relationship issue. Maybe for some of you, it's unhealthy thoughts. I love what one author said. He said, your life is headed in the direction of your greatest thought. Proverbs 23, seven backs this up. It says, for as he thinks in his heart, come on, say it with me, so is he. Some of you have had things spoken over you as a child that you've accepted and now it's a part of your identity. So frequently in counseling, I have conversations and over and over, I'm just not good enough. Pause, who told you that? Some of you have bought into the lie that you're just like your dad who was never present. I'm just like my mom. I'm, I'm never gonna meet the mark. I'm never gonna be good enough. Can I tell you this morning, it's time to let go of some unhealthy thoughts. This is why every morning you gotta get up and you gotta wash your heart with the water of the word. This is why Romans 12, two says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the what? Renewal. Every day you gotta renew. Let me tell you, we live in a filthy generation. The stuff that you see just accidentally, you gotta wash your mind with the water of the word because here's what I know. I've experienced this in my own life. You are either going to agree with what people think about you or you're going to be shaped by what the word says you are. This morning, I'm here to tell you, you gotta let go because God can only use what you're willing to give. And if you wanna be used little, then, then give little. But if you want God to use your life in ways you can never dream, fathom, or imagine, then don't give just a little, give everything. You gotta let go. The first thing you gotta do this morning is you gotta let go. The second thing you gotta do is you gotta lean in. Come on, say lean in. You see, letting go is only half the battle. Because once you let go of what is in your hands, then you gotta lean into what is in God's. You see, I believe that God has a plan for your life. I just, I just, I just know that I, I believe it. Not only do I believe it, the Bible says it, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope in the future. I believe that wholeheartedly. But growing up, I bought into this false way of thinking. Because God has a plan for my life, I can smoke what I want, drink what I want, hook up with who I want, live my life how I want to, and then one day I'm just going to stumble into this thing. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but let me give you a biblical context of what actually they're trying to tell you in Jeremiah 29, 11. God has a preference for your life. Preference. It's his preferred outcome. It's what he wants to see happen. It's what he's willing to part Red Seas to make happen. Hear me. In order for God's preference to become your experience, it requires your participation. Matthew 6.15 tells us this. The scripture was a gut punch for me. If you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's. Whew. I should put the fear of God in someone this morning. If you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's. Two years ago, I met a young man here, Lafayette Campus during spiritual renewal. 
And he was just fresh off of letting go. He, he, he was just broken. He just began to tell me, man, I, I'm done living the way I'm living. I've been in and out of relationships. I've tried to find fulfillment in the world. I've, I've done it my way, and I, all I know is that's not working. We began to talk, and quickly I realized we had a lot in common. I'm a pastor's kid. He's a pastor's kid. I just threw out this thought, just, you know, what, what if you need a fresh start? Like, what, what do you think about coming down here. Now, the issue was he lived 2,000 miles away. Everything he knew, everything that was familiar was so far from here. I threw it out, prayed with him. About a week later, my dad and I are sitting on the couch and we we're talking about him. I said, I wonder if, he, I wonder if he's going to lean in. I wonder if he's going to do it. Because, you know, you can pray for someone, you can present it, but ultimately they got to walk in it. I don't know who that's for parents, but you can do your part. At some point, they got to do theirs. Two years later, today, Austin and Alyssa Firestein are our youth pastors here at our Lafayette campus. We have over 150 students that are here every single week because he was faithful and stepped out of the boat. Austin, can you stand up? Can we give a hand to Austin? I don't know who this is for, but you gotta get out of the boat. Maybe you're here and you've let go your hands are still open, it's time to grab onto what God has for you. Because if you will just say, hey God, I'm, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna go. Maybe for some of you it's not moving across the country, but maybe for some of you it's joining a small group. Maybe for some of you it's simply taking your next step, whatever that is. This is a quote that I've been told my entire life by my mom and it stuck with me. You never know what's on the other side of your obedience. If you would just step out, you never know what you're stepping into. With every head bowed and every eyes closed, I believe there's two groups of people in the room this morning. I believe the first group are those that are saying, Pastor, uh, when you were talking about letting go, <laughs> that's me. Like, that's so me. <laughs> I've been holding on to unforgiveness. And now I'm at a point to where it's hurting me. I, I'm, I've been stuck. Like, I, I feel it. I feel my heart growing cynical. I, I, I feel my heart growing cold. I got to let go of this thing. Maybe for you, it's, it's not a forgiveness thing. Maybe it's a relationship thing. And you're saying, I, I know this isn't right. And God's been speaking to me about it. it, it it's been keeping me stuck. I can't do it any longer. I, I, got, I got to break this off. If that's you, every head bowed, every eyes closed, we're going to break some chains this morning. If you're in here and you're saying, I'm ready to let go, every head bowed, every eyes closed, I just want to pray with you because I believe this morning is going to be a marking moment where you drop some things that you've been carrying. On the count of three, if you'd raise your hand so I can pray with you, if you just say, I got to let go, one, two, three, if that's you, come on, hands up all over, all over. Yeah, yeah, I see you. Too many to count, I see you. You can put your hands down. Father, right now, I thank you that this is a marking moment for so many who are saying, I, I can't keep carrying this. I'm done. I'm not doing it. God, I know that your word says that cast your burden on me and I will give you strength to sustain you. So I'm doing it. I can't carry this unforgiveness anymore. I can't hold on to this anymore. It's literally making my heart grow cold. I can't do it. I thank you that right now, Father, there are chains being broken, generational generational curses, people that have been 
holding on to an unhealthy relationship and it's just been sinking you and it's like you've been drowning. This morning you're coming up for air. Yeah. God, I pray for fresh strength. I pray for fresh strength. Fresh strength for those that have grown weary and well-doing. Fresh strength for those that have gotten exhausted carrying things they were never created to carry. I thank you that this morning we're letting go. The second group here, those of you that are saying, Pastor, I, uh, I hear you talking about Jesus, but I don't have a relationship with him. <laughs> when you were talking about Jesus changing everything, I, I need that. I can't keep living life the way I'm living. I'm literally exhausted. I can't do it. If that's you, and you want to make the most important decision you will ever make, it's to make Jesus Lord and Savior of your life. It's an opportunity to choose someone that's already chosen you. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand so I can pray with you. One, he's been waiting for you. Two, the time is now. Three, if that's you, you want a personal relationship with Jesus. Come on, keep your hands up. Raise them high. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37. Keep them high. 38, 39. I see you, bro, in the back. 40, 41, 42, 43. So good. You can put your hands down one more time for those that are saying, I, I, Pastor, if you just ask one more time, my heart's about to beat out of my chest. If you just ask one more time, I, 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 got, I got to have a relationship with Jesus. If that's you, raise your hand right now. If you already raised it first, don't raise it again. Wow. 44, 45, 46, 47, 48. Too many, too many hands. Church family, can we pray together with those that are making this decision this morning? Say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. I believe that you faced hell for me, so I would not have to go. And you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. God is my Father, Jesus is my Savior, the Holy Spirit is my helper, and heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen.